DNR reports, Dave Myrick, Reeves Mitchell here on 107.7 The Franchise, coming to you from snowy Winter Park, Colorado. Reeves, uh, big game tonight, but first we had a little national signing day this morning. I don't think there was any surprises looking across the board at Oklahoma. They logged the number two defensive tackle, number one tight end, number one interior offensive lineman, and finished eighth in the country. I think a really good day. No drama, really. I mean, Taylor Tatum was the last to, to get his signature in. Took a while, but he, he got it in. So I, I think they're pleased with it. Yeah, there really was no drama to speak of today. But, Dave, I think that's a good thing when you're talking about recruiting classes. Usually if there's drama, that means a big guy you expect to sign flipping or, you know, a guy committing somewhere else when you didn't expect it. So the uh, element of surprise was not there today, but I think that's a good thing for Oklahoma. And, yeah. I really like the guys they're bringing in. I mean, when you look across the board, what they need next year, you know, they need that interior depth like you're talking about. So getting the linemen was huge. And then obviously getting David Stone to stick around and still sign was very big, I thought. I mean, he's a guy that really the whole OU fan base has wanted, you know, ever since his name was popping up in the recruiting circles. And then there's been some drama there back and forth over the last year. But mm -hmm. getting him to sign was a big, big deal. And then, Obviously, Taylor Tatum, yeah, you say he was the last guy. But I was really, you know, happy he ended up signing. And he's a guy that I think is going to fight for a lot of playing time next year, especially with all these running backs transferring. And there's just kind of new faces in that running back room to a certain extent. So he's going to have a chance to make an impact from day one, I would say. Yeah, Reeves, I'll tell you what, the fan base really needed this, man. It's It's been a tumultuous couple weeks with guys transferring out, some big surprises nobody really was expecting. And you got David Stone. You know that Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri was pushing hard. So was Miami. So getting him in the fold, getting that signature in, I think did a lot to kind of relieve fears. Still, they got a lot of work to do, though, man. They were able to link one interior offensive lineman that came in from, uh, what was it, Michigan State? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, that's – I don't think right now, Reeves, they have enough guys for a two-deep on the offensive line. I mean, let alone, you know, going into next year, that they got a lot of work to do in the portal still. Yeah, I'd expect them to bring in some two- to three-star type guys that were maybe at some smaller schools but are looking to – you know, playing a bigger competition of football. I mean, to be honest with you, Dave, I feel like the four- and five-star linemen are gone at this point. There's still a few, you know, in the portal, but the majority, I think, the OU was hunting after. They're probably, you know, either back to signing with their school that uh, they were originally with or they've transferred somewhere else. So there's not a whole lot you can do at this point, but at the same time, even if – you're bringing in guys that you're not really sure they're going to start day one on that offensive line. I would bring some guys in just for that added depth, just for that added competition, because, man, if you have two or three guys go down during the season and then you only, you know, have maybe five, six linemen left, Dave, that's a big recipe for disaster, especially going into the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, man. I mean, you look across the defensive line at OU, I don't remember a year stacking up to look as good when you've got PJ off the edge, uh, R. Mason Thomas is another really good body off the edge coming back. And they add that with Danny Okoyo from Tulsa coming in. Then you've, you've got what they, they haven't had in the last really 10 years. Uh, you got to go back to Gerald McCoy, a bulldog on the inside of that defensive line that can collapse a pocket, stuff the run, be somebody that, that takes double teams. That's going to open up the, your edge pass rushers, Reeves. I think that's why we've, we've seen them struggle like they have the last 
you know, 10 years, man. It's, I mean, getting David Stone in, to me, it goes above and beyond just a player. It shows the direction they're moving as a defense for, you know, recruits in the future for that side of the ball. Because let's face it, OU and defense has not really been synonymous with big-time recruits the last decade. No, it really hasn't. Um, that's a good point. You know, obviously they had to beef up the defense, and it seems like ever since Brent has gotten gotten into this program, you know, he's made a big precedent to let's recruit on the defensive side of the ball and let's make that our biggest priority, which I agree with. I mean, I think that's the kind of coach he is. That's the kind of model he's trying to build this team after. So I agree with it. The last thing I'll note on the recruiting is OU signed five out of the top six players in Oklahoma today, Dave. You want to take a guess at the last time that's happened for you? Wow, Reeves. I, you know, I, even Bob Stoops didn't recruit the state that hard. He, he His pipeline was California and Texas, and I'd have to almost go back to the 90s. Uh, 2013 is the last time that happened. Okay, so we're, yeah, a decade in since that happened. Yeah, I mean, a pretty long time. Uh, Dave, I mean, a few guys on this list, we had the honor of calling their games in the playoffs. I mean, number five guy in the state, Andy Bass from Heritage Hall who unfortunately went down with that injury in the state championship game. But I think you and I both expect him to make a full recovery and be back contributing to this program at some point. Now, we're still not sure the position on Andy. Obviously, he's a high school quarterback, but DeMarco Murray is the main guy recruiting him. So some people are guessing running back on that. We'll kind of see how it materializes there. He's got to recover from that injury first. And then the sixth guy, Dave, Xavier Robinson, a guy I'm super, super excited about from Carl Albert. He is under the radar, Reeves. He's very under the radar. And everyone wants to talk about Taylor Tatum, mm-hmm. which rightfully so. You know, he's a five-star, four-star kid. Got great expectations coming into OU. But I'm telling you, this Xavier Robinson kid, he's going to compete for a lot of carries next year, too. I got to watch him a good amount during the regular season this year, but then I got to call his game in the state championship game. And Dave, I mean, he was just a bell cow that game. I mean, when Carl Albert needed a big first down, when they needed to grind some yards out, when they needed a big touchdown run, he was the guy. And he was not going up against the slouch of a defense in Dell City. They were a really good unit out there. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that kid. He just kind of – he has the feel of a college running back to me. He just kind of runs in the style almost that I would see – the guy running at OU, he, he just looks like a college back to me. I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, yeah, I but got it's you. almost just the eye test. You know, when I watch him, I just see I see the potential there. So he's a guy I'm super excited for. Reeves, it really reminds me, I don't know if you remember this recruiting, but Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine came in the same recruiting class. And Joe Mixon was a five-star out of California, number one all-purpose back. That's where everybody's attention was focused. But the guy from Pflugerville, Texas, that was – a bowling ball, 6'1", 240 pounds. I said, man, that guy runs. He's got a different style. Keep an eye on that guy. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Joe Mixon was very good in college, but Samaj P. Ryan, on top of holding the all-time single-game rushing record in college, was probably a better every-down back at Oklahoma. I know that Mixon ran into some trouble, but my point is don't sleep on Xavier just because they've got Tatum. I I think he's going to fight for carries right off the bat. But, Reeves, let's uh, switch gears, man. We've got – Probably the biggest non-conference basketball game for Oklahoma dating back. You brought up earlier off-air LSU, the Buddy Heald team that went down to Baton Rouge, but LSU wasn't ranked. It was just a big game because they had Ben Simmons and OU had Buddy Heald. This is really the first time this year OU's ranked number seven 
But talent for talent, player for player, this is the first team this season that is as good or better at every spot. A gigantic test. If you think people are excited now, if they happen to beat the North Carolina Tar Heels tonight, Reeves, watch out. Completely different animal. Uh, I know that you're really familiar with uh, North Carolina. You've been breaking down game film. We are both familiar with Oklahoma. Uh, what matchups are you looking at that, that possibly favors the Sooners and which ones don't? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've watched a couple of UNC's games this year. I really dove into that last game they played against Kentucky. And Dave, I'll tell you, both those teams screamed elite when I was watching that game. I mean, I could see both of those teams making it all the way to the Final Four. Just the guard play is really, really good. Obviously, Kentucky and UNC are always going to have good big men. But what I noticed in that game is, I mean, how much UNC was getting out in transition. Uh, really quick possessions. They kind of like to shoot fast, you know, get out quick. And Dave, when teams have done that this year or attempted to do that on OU, it's worked in the Sooners' favor because, Dave, they're one of the better transition teams in college basketball. They love to run. You know, they love to get out and fill and get those layups and transitions. So I think if UNC isn't taking their time tonight, you know, if they're kind of rushing shots at the beginning – we know that OU defense is very good for the first 20 seconds of that shot clock. So I think it would benefit UNC more to kind of wait into the depths of that shot clock and get a shot maybe in the last 10 seconds or have offensive rebounding chances. I think if OU can speed them up early, man, and force them into shots they don't want to take, that's going to lead to transition. And I think that's something that would really complement and help the Sooners maybe win this game. Now, when we get into disadvantages, I mean, I have to start with the fifth-year senior, senior Armando Baycott. Dave, we know him too well. He's been at UNC as long as Perry Ellis was at Kansas. This guy has been grabbing offensive rebounds for the Tar Heels for years, and though OU's big men have played pretty well this year, they're still an undersized bunch. I mean, Hughley and Sam Godwin are about 6'9 apiece. Baycott's about 6'11", 7, or 7 feet, and then, you know, he's very heavy too, so... He knows how to control his body well, Dave. I expect them to feed him in the post early and often. He's not a great free throw shooter, so I do want to see how Porter Moser maybe tries to expose that end of the court, you know, for him. But, Dave, I will say he likes to get to that right shoulder and feed a little right baby hook. He's very good at that. But the biggest thing I saw out of him last year and early into this year, Dave, he's a really good passer out of that post. So if OU chooses to double him tonight, UNC has a ton of really good shooters on the outside. It could spell trouble for the Sooners, you know, if they're not having good closeouts, if they're giving wide open threes. I might not like the direction this one heads in. Yeah, and I'm just going to follow up a quick on the basketball, man. I'm with you. I think defensively is the key for Oklahoma tonight. If they can speed North Carolina up, maybe force them into some bad shots, they can get out in transition. That's going to, going to play really well for the style of this Oklahoma basketball team, Reeves, but I'm with you. If North Carolina wants to slow this thing down and make it a grindy half-court game, I think they're the better team. But, man, it's just it's one of those games that I think OU basketball fans, you know, all 20 of them, have been craving for so long to finally be no just to finally be, you know, matter again and to have a game that, that has the national attention. This one does, number seven versus number 11. So, Gigantic game, and we'll, you know, we'll break more down about that later this week uh, after we watch his night and see how it goes. You want to give me a quick prediction? I'm going to get Calvin on to uh, preview the Texas Longhorn playoff appearance coming up and also give his thoughts about Texas uh, recruiting today. But uh, 
Anyway, you want to give a score uh, prediction about tonight? Yeah. Um, let's see. The total tonight is at 154.5. I would think it's going to go under that, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to give it like a 75-71 UNC. I think OU hangs in that game. I think they're going to hang in it the whole game. You know, I think they're going to make shots tonight. I think they're going to play decently well, Dave. Where I worry is that offensive glass. I think UNC's big men, they really rush that glass hard. If OU isn't boxing out well, if they aren't getting defensive rebounds, Dave, we know the best time to take a three in any possession. The highest percentage time is off the offensive rebound. UNC does that very well. I just, if, if Baycott's going 15, 16 rebounds tonight, I, I think it's going to be very tough for the Sooners to win this game. But Dave, as we know, OU surprised us already a lot this year coming in at 10-0. I don't think any of us expected a perfect unblemished record to this point anything can happen tonight but i'm going to take the tar heels reeves jumping off the ou bank you you took arkansas last week too and it stung you i'll tell you I what did. i'm gonna I stick did. to it i'm gonna stick on porter's side until they prove me wrong i'm gonna stay with ou i'm gonna pick them to win this thing it's gonna have to be low scoring if they win so i'm gonna go about a 69 to 64 uh final for oklahoma i'll tell you you got to watch tonight rivaldo soars i think that's that's somebody to watch, but uh, Reeves, you know, we cover the entire Big 12 on this show, even though the franchise is the flagship for OU, OU uh, Athletics, but Texas is part of, you know, what we cover, and they're going to be going to the SEC. Funny, I should say that, because a guy I'm skiing with, one of my best friends, Calvin Kirkland, happens to be a, a Texas Longhorn, so Calvin, you paid attention a little bit to uh, national signing. That I know we just got off the slopes, a little bit busy. What are your, you know, initial thoughts, overall impressions of Texas's class? Oh, pretty good so far. We uh, the, the signing period lasts until it looks like Friday, which I was not aware of. Did you did you know that, Reeves? I did not. The early uh, signing period. I thought. Yeah, it, I wasn't really. These dates mesh in my head. So yeah, I mean, I thought it, I remember. The, I remember the old school one day, one thing. But anyway. Uh, Dave had to step out for just a second, but uh, Texas did pretty good, man. They raided the state of Florida. They got a couple of big flips. They, I, I do not know the kid's name that flipped to Alabama. They had a little bit of drama this morning. Uh, yeah. They lost a they lost a good recruit to to Alabama, but they also did some flipping of their own. Uh, pretty much took care of the state of Florida and the Florida Gators with one swoop today. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who's having a worse day, if it's Florida or Texas A&M. They both had a really bad uh, That's fine day. with me, either way, either way. But I had a little bit of drama with, uh, you know, Ryan Wingo this morning. I, I don't know. I feel like some of these kids want to create drama, even yeah. though they're, you know. But it's the new way of, of doing things, and it's just something you live with. And all in all, they're, I believe, number three in rivals and number five in 247, something right. something like that. I think what Oklahoma ended up at seven Eights. and eight. Eight, yeah, seven and eight. Eights. So good good class. A lot of good things happening for Texas football right now. Uh, happy that things are trending in the right direction. And uh, the difference in this year's class, I think, is, you, you know, Texas has always had decent recruiting classes and some that were really great without the ability to coach them uh, on the field. And so they've turned into nothing. I feel like the tide yeah. is finally turning. 
Yeah, I mean, I you mean, look yeah. you look at what Sark's been able to do with the talent he's got, Reeves. It's it's hard to argue. I mean, they're right where any team that starts off the college football year wants to be. They're in the playoff and, and as Big 12 champs. So you can't argue with the fact, you know, what he's doing is working down in Austin. And another move that Texas made recently that I liked was getting Matthew Golden, the receiver from Houston, to transfer to Texas. I know Texas was in on Deion, Bur- Deion Burks, who committed to OU. Uh, from Purdue, you know, he's one of the hottest commodities out there at receiver in the transfer portal. But then, you know, they follow it up by getting one of the better receivers in the Big 12 this season and Matthew Golden from Houston, get him to stay in state, go play for the Longhorns. So I really like what Sark is building, to be honest with you. I think about two years ago when all this news was announced, not a lot of people were very encouraged by the current states of OU and Texas football, especially heading into the juggernaut of the SEC but, man, I really feel like they've rebounded well. I mean, Texas losing in the Alamo Bowl last year turned it into a playoff appearance this year. Obviously, OU with a 10-2 and two season this year, very good. They get the Alamo Bowl, which is kind of questionable there. But still, there's a, how much do bowl games really matter anymore? Yeah, guys? I don't yeah know. there's a whole <laughs> lot less uh, uh, importance on these bowl games if they're not. There's a lot less. If yeah, they're not a so New, Year's, New Year Six or a, uh, a playoff bowl it's tough to get him invested too much in them and you expect guys to not play some seniors to skip out and that's just all stuff we just have to get used to it's just part of the it's just part of the game now we have to make our adjustments just like uh, these teams do and you know if everybody plays and OU wins that game then you know it's going to be great but I have no idea what's going to happen right now yeah, I mean, you know, Randy Hyatt's our colleague that we did the show with. He tends to kind of think that, oh, you will try to experiment and see some guys for next year. I don't, Reeves. I think Arizona's co- coming to win this game, and I think Brent will – you'll see guys like Stutzman and Bowman play as long as it takes to get this thing won. But, you know, we've diced up that one until we're blue in the face. One thing I do want to talk about, Texas, speaking of the playoff, is in the playoff. Well, what are your thoughts about uh, the Longhorns matchup, man? Oh, man, that thing is – that's that, – that's – it's a hell of a matchup, I'll say that. It is. I mean, I honestly don't know. I have seen – so I saw Washington play in, in person. I went to a bachelor party and happened to be in Vegas when they played Oregon in the, in the championship game. And I feel like Texas can exploit some of the things that they do on defense, but I'm scared senseless of their offense. <laughs> so I don't know what to think. Because they have a guy under center that is just as cool as they get. And, and yeah. you know, he can't – basically Oregon won the, the coin toss, let Washington have the ball, and he came out, and I think it was an eight-minute drive. He just picked him apart, and it was all downhill from there. So I'm – you know, obviously I want to just say Texas is going to win, but anything can happen. I expect Washington to show up and it to be a tight game could go either direction. Reeves, we talked about this in the show last week, man. One thing that surprised us, we know about Penix and that group of receivers. Washington's run game also looked legit against Oregon. That's Texas front seven is very good. But I think if they do stuff that Washington run, that kind of plays into what Washington wants to do throwing the ball, man. That's that's a tough matchup. And Washington did some things this year that were similar to Texas in that they – you know, they had some struggles along the way. They, they're, they're a team like Texas that has found a way to get it done. They're undefeated. You, can't de- you cannot deny that. And so uh, with all this time to prepare, it's really all about coaching, 
preparation and, and what guys show up on game day because both teams are certainly capable. Fantastic outlook and preview of the Texas Longhorns. Washington Huskies coming up. A National Signing Day recap and a big Oklahoma basketball game tonight. Reeves, anything else you want to add? No, uh, just one last thing on that Texas playoff game. I mean, Washington has just continued to surprise me throughout the season. I will just say, like, obviously none of us saw it coming before the year that they were going to be in talks like this. But then, Dave, even after the Oregon game, the first Oregon game that they won, I mean, I know you were saying you still thought Oregon was one of the best teams in the country. I agreed with you, man. I mean, that felt like a game Dan Lanning had just lost on his own. You know, if he had made some different decisions, Oregon might have won. Right. And then going into the Pac-12 championship rematch, I think we all expected, you know, a tighter game than the spread indicated. But on the same note, I don't think anybody saw Washington dominating the game like they did. You talk about their defense. I mean, their defense has really come on. I I did not expect them to stop Bo Nix like they did. You know, really pressure him all game, force some turnovers. And then, yeah, Dave, you're right about that run game. It's really exploded with their running back, Dylan Johnson, the last three or four weeks. So Texas has a lot of things to handle down in New Orleans. Um, It's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see Ewers versus Penix because they're both – Guys, we don't really know what they're going to be like in the NFL, but we know they're both going to get shots. So I cannot wait to see them go head-to-head. Reeves, you just said the entire key, man. I think this game right here falls on the shoulders of Quinn Ewers. Which one shows up? Is it the quarterback that went down to Tuscaloosa and beat the Tide, or is it the one that seems to struggle out of the blue? That is going to tell the tale of this game. And Penix had some struggles this year, but I think they were far less than than what – Ewers had. Hey, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. It's hard to go undefeated. I mean, ask Florida State. But All right. Well, Reeves, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you later this week. Uh, DNR Report, they're 1077, the franchise. Reeves Mitchell in Oklahoma City. Dave Myrick, Calvin Kirkland in snowy Winter Park, Colorado. We will talk to you guys down the road.